1: In 20 minutes, we play a Friday edition of Nickel or Dime. In about 40 minutes, we already looked at the NL Cy Young Market. Early uh, spring training, 28 days to opening day. Look at it. We look at the AL Cy Young Market, top of the hour. Lightning bets before we wrap up. You can tell Double D on the board uh, for Jake today with the uh, with the wild thing coming back. Uh, good stuff as we make our way <laughs> to the weekend alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack, and it is a huge day of college hoops tomorrow. I mentioned it before the break. You've got essentially 12 hours of nonstop ranked on ranked action. Mm, Spicy. Um, From the Big East all the way out to the West Coast Conference. Starts at noon all the way to Gonzaga, St. Mary's late. Here to talk about all of it. At Card Chronicle on Twitter. The Mike Rutherford Show in Louisville every weekday afternoon. Mike Rutherford. Mike. Morning. How are you? Uh, Are are you prepared for the stretch run here? We got like a week and a half to go until the big conferences hit conference tournament play. We even get some of the small conferences in action starting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday.
0: I'm ready to go, man. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We had to wait one extra day this year to get to March, but we're here. Uh, I'm pumped for championship week, kicking off next week. I mean, mean, the big conferences in in two weeks is going to be a lot of fun. But next weekend, I mean, you look at like, we have a potential of a, of a Drake, Indiana State, Missouri Valley Conference final on Sunday. And if you haven't seen Robbie Avila play, uh, the guy who looks like the the nerdy guy who shows up at your YMCA and just goes off for twenty five and ten, like um, America is going to fall in love with this guy, and he's going to be going up against Tucker Devries, who's scoring thirty points a game for Drake. Like, it, it's just, it's a magical time of the year. The magic's going to start next week. I'm so excited for it. This is going to be awesome.
2: Uh, Mike, this is probably a bit of an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So um, after the first four days of the tournament, one of the big talking points is always this conference is great. And this conference has been stinking it up in the tournament. Do you have any ideas? Are there any conferences where back of your mind without knowing the matchups, which is the biggest part? And that's why it's a bit unfair. But in in the back of your mind, are there any conferences where you're like, you know what? I think they're going to shock some people and maybe they get to the second week of the tournament and maybe another conference where you're like, yeah, there's a bunch of teams I, I, I don't like. Come tournament time, I will not be back
0: in this conference. Is, I mean, is it fair to just default to the Big Ten? Like Big Ten, I knew this it? was coming. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I kind of was leading the witness it, here, it, but yeah. <laughs> it's like you know it's it, it, how can you not say that after the last several years where every single and and look it's it's not like it was uh 3 seasons ago or 2 seasons ago where it was hey the big Ten's going to get 11 12 teams in they're the best conference, not even close. Like that kind of that that distinction goes to the Big Twelve this year. They're carrying that banner. They're the conference that has, I think, uh, eight teams in the top forty-five of the net rankings. They're the team that the conference is going to get probably double-digit teams in without question. But the Big Ten every year seems to kind of spit the bit with the you know all, not just the top teams losing in the first weekend, but we've had so you know I think they brought eleven teams to the NCAA tournament three years ago and. None of them made it past the second round, which was just an absurd fail rate. And I think the deal with the Big Ten this year is they're really good in the middle. But besides Purdue, you don't look at them as having a realistic national title contender. I guess I think you can make the case for Illinois if you want to, but they're a little bit more of a difficult sell. So I would not be shocked at all if you have these teams in the middle of the conference that have been, you know, good but not great so far this season. All getting bounced in the you know the, 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 the second or third rounds of the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm I'm not a big believer in Wisconsin. Um, I, I'm trying to think of who else. I'm, I'm not a Nebraska has been a, a a cute little story. I, I'm not little sure Westerners. they can do a whole lot of damage. <laughs> uh, it's just a yeah. It, it's the, the Big Ten. They're on fraud watch every single year until they like prove us all otherwise. <laughs>
1: I love cute little stories. I want to ask you about Marquette at Creighton. I'm looking forward to this one. Marquette has been cruising. They've won 11 of their last 12. They're on a three-game winning streak, and they've won those three games by 22 points or more. They've been covering the spread. Ken Palm has Creighton winning by four. Curious what you like in this matchup.
0: It's tough to pick against a home team in the Big East. Home teams have been kind of cleaning up in that conference all season long, and it's not just the Big East. It's been this has been the year of of home teams, whether they're ranked or not, taking care of business in big time games in the conference. But Marquette outside, if you if you just take away the blowout loss to UConn, which I, I realize is a difficult thing to do, they haven't lost to anybody since January tenth, and they've been really good away from home. They've won some quality road games. They beat Villanova on the road. Uh, they beat Butler on the road. They beat St. John's on the road. Uh, two of those three teams are, are right there flirting with the NCAA tournament. Villanova can probably you know, – they're, they're flirting with it as well. So I, I think Marquette has a fighting chance here. Having said that, it's difficult to pick against Creighton in, in a home spot where I think they need this game a little bit more than Marquette does. Um, they're still – a little bit wounded from some of the losses they took at the beginning of the month. They've played better as season has gone on. I think Creighton gets right in this game. I I think they are a legitimate threat to make a run back to a regional final and potentially beyond if they get the right matchups. Uh, I think this is a good moment for Baylor Shireman and and, and Ryan Cockburner to kind of reintroduce themselves to the college basketball world who may have forgotten about him. Marquette's very, very good. I think they're a Uh, easy pick to repeat as Big East tournament champions this year. I would not be shocked at all if they did that and maybe upset UConn or or if somebody else picks off UConn, but I like Creighton in this spot this weekend.
1: Mike Rutherford of Card Chronicle and the Mike Rutherford Show every afternoon in Louisville with us here on BetQL Daily. Um, The SEC, as we talk about conference to conference, the hierarchy of things here, Mike, the SEC is what? Three or four years, maybe five, removed from being like a four-bid league, right? Like, And the SEC is one of the powerhouses this year. Looks like increasingly a seven-bid league. Uh, But every team has sort of the dents in the armor. And there's a couple of interesting matchups tomorrow. Early, we've got Florida and South Carolina. uh, A seven-seed and a six-seed, according to bracketologies out there. All the way through to the primetime matchup between Tennessee and Alabama, which should be in my opinion, anyway, the best game of the day tomorrow night. Um, how do you handicap the conference top to bottom? And what do you think of these two matchups in particular?
0: I think the SEC is great. And it it, it pains me as a Louisville fan who's grown up spending my entire life saying, congrats, UK, you dominate the, you know, the, the, the little boys league, uh, the SEC. We, you're not playing real basketball. The SEC, a, a few years ago, everyone knows that they're, that they're super cash rich. like, like They they are loaded with money. They can throw money at whatever they want. And they went ahead and a lot of these programs out there that historically have not cared about college basketball that much, invested heavily in college basketball. They went out, they landed top-tier coaches, they upgraded facilities, and you're starting to see a lot of these programs reap the benefits. They've done better than any other conference in college basketball over the last five years, I would say, I have done a remarkable job when it comes to hiring coaches. And the first matchup that you talk about is perfect evidence of that. Todd Golden, who I hate because he's younger than I am and looks like he's, like, 10 years younger than I am, which is uh, – I'm not ready for that yet, but he's there. He looks like he's 28 years old. But he is a rising star in college basketball. He took San Francisco to new heights. He plays this nerd ball style that's heavy in analytics. I think there was some concern about how that would translate over to a program like Florida, and it's translating pretty well. They've been just about as good as anybody the last month of the season. And then Lamont Paris was a hire that a lot of people rolled their eyes at and said – yeah. It, it, couple nice years at Chattanooga. Does he really warrant a power five job? A- and now South Carolina is doing all they can to scramble to keep him in the long term because he's been so good this year. I don't know. Like, I, I like Florida bigger picture in the NCAA tournament. South Carolina screams the classic overachiever that maybe gets a seed you know, in, in that four, five, six range where they get picked off in the first round and reality kind of comes back to bite them. I think Florida is more equipped to make a run a- in the NCAA tournament. But I like a lot of these SEC teams, like like Tennessee, the one you, you talk about. All these teams having potential fatal flaws. Tennessee's only real fatal flaw is their past flameouts in the NCAA tournament, which I think is kind of unfair to hold against them. I get that they're probably the best program that's never been to a Final Four. I get that Rick Barnes has struggled in the NCAA tournament. They check pretty much every other single box. They're the second best defensive team in all of college basketball. They address their offensive issues by going out there and getting, I think, the most impactful transfer in college basketball and Dalton Connect, who maybe is the best scorer in all of college basketball. You forget Zakai Ziegler, the starting point guard, tore his ACL on this exact day a year ago, and that was a big part of the reason why they didn't have any offense going into the NCAA tournament. He's healthy. He's playing as well as he ever has. Tennessee is very, very, very good, and they seem, again, if you take their history out of it and take Rick Barnes' history out of it, they seem like a top-tier Final Four contender to me. I like them more than any other team in the SEC, and I like a lot of teams in the SEC.
2: Let's talk Kansas Baylor. Um, it was a surprise the other day down to BYU. Well, both these teams lost to BYU recently, but um, it, it feels like people are very concerned about the Jayhawks, and with this McCullough's status, you have every reason to be. Um, they're trying to hide the status. Oh, he's improving a little bit, but doesn't it seem like and we'd be lucky if we see him again this year.
0: There's been something off with this Kansas team the entire season, and the McCuller injury stuff has been on and off for the last two or three weeks, and I'm kind of with you. I'm starting to doubt his long-term availability, and we're not talking about just like, oh, he's their leading scorer. Like, this is a first-team All-American probably that we're talking about potentially not being available or not being 100% for the, the most important games of the season. I've kind of been saying this entire year, like this Kansas team reminds me a little bit of the Kansas city chiefs where it's like, there's, there's just something missing. They, they feel like they can turn it on when they want to. And then eventually at the end of the year, they were able to. And and now with the way they're playing, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Like they, they looked completely outclassed by BYU. The lack of depth on that roster, I think is starting to show itself a little bit. Hunter Dickinson is maybe more bark than bite. I don't know. Maybe he can have a gigantic NCAA tournament, but he's been, as good as he has been, he's been a little bit of a disappointment, I think, for people that were claiming he was going to be the national player of the year and he was the biggest fish in the, the transfer portal pond. I, I'm i not saying that I'm selling on Kansas. I, I think you're wrong to just totally dismiss them if that's what you're doing right now. But these couple of games where they play Baylor this weekend and then they're going to end up with a, with Houston a week from, from this weekend to wrap up the regular season, I, I think they'll give us some solid indication. If they win one of them, I think you sort of have to keep them on your your national championship consideration list. If they look vastly inferior in both these games, I, I think you can kind of sell them and say this just – they're never going to click. They're a first-weekend team that you circle and say, I don't think they're making it out of those first two rounds.
1: I knew Chris and Joe wouldn't ask you about the Zags at St. Mary's. They left it for me. So here we go. Um, Gonzaga at St. Mary's Ken Palm has St. Mary's winning by two St. Mary's interestingly enough, has four quad one wins. The Zags only have one, uh, any chance the Zags can keep this close.
0: Sure. I, I, I mean, Gonzaga is playing it, its best basketball season. They were really, really good last night in a difficult spot against a good San Francisco team. Uh, they played at the, the, the Chase Center where the Warriors play. It was a little bit of a different environment. And a, a lot of people liked USF to pick off Gonzaga in that game, and Gonzaga wound up winning by 20. They have not lost since their the, the last time they played St. Mary's on, on back at the beginning of February. And sprinkled into all those West Coast Conference wins is a gigantic road win over Kentucky, which is starting to look better and better on their resume with UK playing a little bit better. Uh, I mean, all the talk about Gonzaga this season has been they've never missed the NCAA tournament under Mark Few. They've got the third longest consecutive NCAA tournament streak uh, going to, what I think, 21 straight years behind one year behind Michigan State. Can they do it again if they win this game? I think they put themselves in a position where they don't have to win the West Coast Conference tournament. If they just make it to the championship game, they can lose to St. Mary's in the rubber match and probably still be in the NCAA tournament. But you know, the, the bubble's good this year. It's, it, I always make fun of the bubble, people saying it's historically weak. I'm like, it's, it's always historically weak. It's the bubble, for God's sake. We're not talking about you know a 28-2 and two team from the ACC being on the bubble and this year is the one year where people are like, the bubble's actually pretty good because all these uh, unranked teams have been picking off these ranked teams. So Gonzaga, if they if they get a third quad one victory, which is what this, this game against St. Mary's would be, I don't think they need to win the West Coast Conference Tournament mm-hmm. to get in. But if they lose this game, you're probably looking at needing to win two games in Vegas to, to make it in. But they're playing – I mean – I'd say just as well as St. Mary's over the past two or three weeks. They seem to have figured some things out. I think they absolutely have a puncher's chance, and I'll go one step further. I think they win this game in Marega. I think they, they even the score, and they wind up putting positioning themselves to be an at-large team in the NCAA tournament by, by beating the Gales.
1: Mike, real quick in about 45 seconds, um, any other games this weekend you have an eye on, any angles you really like going into this weekend?
0: we haven't talked i know you brought it up but tennessee alabama i, I kind of glossed over just talking about tennessee i think this is a big spot for alabama um I, I think they need to prove some things because they've been extremely hit or miss also virginia duke i, I think the you know the acc has gotten overlooked a little bit virginia has been insanely up and down duke has been good more or less but not elite as elite as we thought they were going to be i'm very curious to see if virginia can keep things close on the road solidify themselves as an nca tournament team or if Duke is is going to play Carolina for at least a share of the ACC tournament title next week. And I think that's one to circle and pay attention to.
1: Great stuff as always, man. We appreciate the time. Thanks again. Mike Rutherford of Card Chronicle and the Mike Rutherford Show Afternoons in Louisville. Follow him on Twitter, at Card Chronicle. We'll line you up again, hopefully, for uh, conference championship week. And once we get the brackets set, uh, nickel or dime on the way. Paul's got some stuff cooked up for us. We didn't do AL Cy Young. We did NL Cy Young earlier. We'll do that at the top of the hour. And lightning bets before we wrap up on a Friday here alongside Aaron and Joe. I'm Chris. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM.